0: Hello and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. It is Friday, April 8th. Mike isn't here, he's freezing on ice. In this episode, Athletico plays in a panic room, Chelsea gets Benzemaad, and Everton get Deiched. But first, after we handle the Champions League, the big game is set for City versus Liverpool for all the marbles. So the week was set up. Uh, This has been a Champions League week uh, and a little bit of other things. But for me, this episode is about City versus Liverpool. It's meaning, it's connections, it's where we are in the league. This is now year five of Pep and Liverpool. Uh, City have won more of the championships. We have the back-to-back, we have the Centurions, we have... Uh, the 98 point season, Liverpool have the Champions League when they both went wire to wire, more similar to this season and have the pandemic season where City sort of collapsed a little bit and then City came back, won the league again while, while Liverpool just struggled with injury, but then down the stretch pulled it out. So this is now become the best game in the world, I think. This game, Manchester City versus Liverpool, has taken the mantle from world football's most important, biggest, best, highest quality game. I think all through the mid-2000s, it was, it was Messi and Ronaldo, Barca versus Real, which has its own history and didn't really uh, need any extra. But now we have the two best managers in the world, with the two best teams in the world, with contrasting styles, but matching styles, if you will. Um, Pep, the technocrat, the perfectionist, the you guys love me because you know I've thought of everything, versus Klopp, the man manager, the hugger, the yeller, the rock and roller, where Liverpool play a consistently effervescent, attacking, rock and roll, heavy metal football. Both want to accomplish the same goals of pressing you to death and attacking, playing high line, front foot football. For the the years I've thought about it, it it has been historically that Liverpool's 11 are better than... City's best 11, but City had the better 11 through 15 or 11 through 18. Definitely the 11 through 18. And now I think it's a bit more even. Liverpool, over the last 18 months to a year, have improved their depth a lot. They have phased out, in some sense, uh, Jordan Henderson with, with Thiago. They have added to their attack with Jota and Diaz. Pushing Firmino down in the pecking order, but they now have a strong five of Salah, Mane, Diaz, who came in January, Jota, and Firmino to give a change. They have more depth in the midfield with Tiago coming in, and then in defense, you know they have Konate, Matip, Van Dijk, Joe Gomez. The group is really, really strong, and I think for the first time. I think Liverpool might be is actually better than City. Uh I would never I never thought that really. I knew at Anfield they were better, and I'm glad that City got uh got their game that got their game out of the way early in the season at Anfield because Liverpool weren't feeling as confident at the time. But now the two teams are evenly matched. They just this is going to be a big game, a massive game. City are missing their primary central defender who won player of the year last year in Ruben Diaz. So it'll be Stones and Laporte. Walker will be back. Cancelo likely Gundogan, Rodri, De Bruyne with Grealish, Foden and Sterling up front. But it could be Foden, Mares, Bernardo. I got to think Bernardo will be in this game. Playing up top, maybe Grealish to the wing, maybe Sterling won't play. Whatever the front three are, those will be flexing and changing. Uh, and you know, with Liverpool, we know it's going to be it's going to be Diaz, Mane, Salah. Maybe he'll bring back Bobby Firmino. We know Fabinho will be there. I wonder if Thiago will play. He's been so good for for Liverpool, but he's not really the player you want in a brawl. He's more of a class player to play when teams are sitting in. I'm nervous. I'm petrified. This game means everything to me. I hurt and feel real pain when this game gets played. And when, we, when City win, it's a, it's a moment of relief. I don't take a lot of joy in winning. I never gloat about this game. I just hope to get through it. Uh, for City, a draw is fine. City have a 1 point lead, a draw just pushes everything out and City can then have their own destiny in their hands. A loss is not the end of the world, but it means that if Liverpool don't lose, City can't win. So, this is a really massive and huge game for the league. It is and I recommend it if you don't watch football, this is the game to watch. Sunday 8:30 Pacific, 11:30 on the East Coast. Just stop what you're doing, find a friend get in the room and really watch this game because there is not higher there is not better there is not better coached there is not better funded this is this is 2003 Yankees Red Sox this is um this is Manning versus Brady AFC Championship game this is the best you can see you cannot watch better football Uh, I know Mike and I lamented that we didn't talk about the World Cup draw, and I just wanted to bring up the World Cup in general. The World Cup is not the best football. The best football in the world is played in the Premier League by the two best teams, usually whichever teams they are, and at the semi-final stage of the Champions League, this stage that we're going to talk about in a minute. But Liverpool City, drop everything. Pick a side. One is Nouveau-Riche. I mean, this is all the classic hallmarks. One is Nouveau-Riche, oil money, uh, the new age. What, what is what is the United Emirates going to do with its money? It's using its go, its oil money to be in sports. But it is the best run team in the world. On the other side, you have Liverpool. Royalty, the most... Historical of historical clubs. If the 90s and the 2000s were were Manchester United's, the 70s and 80s were Liverpool's. So they racked up 17 and, and only in the end, I think they're still close on championships. So before Manchester United, think of Liverpool as Manchester United was, and they spent 30 years in a wilderness, just like Manchester United is right now. And they're now back to where they historically were. They have the most European championships in England with six. Um, and they they are the royalty. They are the most legacy of legacy club. They come from a socialist background in the most radical city in terms of politics in the UK. Liverpool is its own place. Uh, Bill Shankly, who put Liverpool together in the 50s, would go on television and just say... I am a socialist. So this is the ethos of the club within Liverpool. It is a people's team. It is a it lives and dies. It has the tragedy of of both Heisel and the tragedy of Hillsborough, where 96, 97 fans died in a in a they didn't have to. And they lived on that. And they that was their sort of moment, their nadir, if you will, in uh 1989. That was sort of the last moment of Liverpool, really. I mean, they had, they had, they had the Champions League in two thousand five, Istanbul, very important, very historical. They came back from three goals, and City, while while City fans are, are kind of a big club in and of themselves, but a big club in the second largest city in the UK. So, yes, City have fans. Yes, City have history, but they have history in the context of East Manchester where if you're from Manchester, you know about him. But in terms of world history and football legacy and glory, City don't have glory yet. City don't have glory yet, and we've talked about it in the past. But these are the games that glory happens. These are the games that legends are formed. That if Phil Foden comes and wins this game, he becomes a legend. That if Kevin De Bruyne bosses this game in the midfield. He cements his legend and status as the best midfielder in the world. This is about legacy. These are big games. This is the new Clasico. The British Clasico. But let's go to Europe. First off, Champions League scores. We are in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, and you'll see the names come back up. In the first leg, Liverpool defeat Benfica, pretty easy win. Konate with the header. Uh, Diaz was all over the place, and Liverpool get the win pretty easy. I was hoping that it would be harder, but Benfica didn't really get put up a fight. Darwin Nunez scored a goal and pulled one back. But Liverpool away, just dominate this game. Trent Alexander-Arnold does really well. Thiago really well. And Liverpool, with an easy draw, to be fair, do push on through. Villarreal beat mighty Bayern Munich, and this is not a fluke. This is Unai Emery. Good evening. Former Arsenal manager moves to Villarreal and is moving his team. Has a chance to take out Bayern Munich, which would disrupt everything and make it really easy for Liverpool to make it to the final. I hope it doesn't happen. They get a goal. Uh, The man of this team, uh, Villarreal, are filled with former Arsenal, former... Uh, Spurs. We've got Juan Foyth. We've got Giovanna Lacelso who bossed this game. Etienne Capou, former, uh, former Watford player. Francois Coquelin also in the game and they win this game. They play really well. Shutting down the mighty Robert Lewandowski and the mighty Bayern I do think that Bayern have trouble. They do need that punch in the mouth because the Bundesliga is easy for them. They don't really have to have tough games. They probably don't play teams like Villarreal that often because in Germany, you do have an oddity in that teams play the same way. It's all high press. It's all youth first. It's very similar styles of play there. I don't know German football very well, but I, do, I did read... Uh, Das Reboot about the rebooting of German football after the 2002 World Cup where they had a hard time. And they do have a historical tend in their country to play the same way, the coaching coaches same way, and it's very top down. So I would imagine that Bayern don't very often see a team like Villarreal playing in deep, but also being really technical and being happy to sit back and soak in pressure. But Villarreal, do not... Do not get me wrong. Villarreal deserved to win this game, should have won this game, and probably could have scored more. Bayern really didn't show up. In the upset of the... Well, let me let me go to City. City play Atletico Madrid. And then when I say Atletico Madrid played some of the most anti-football anyone has ever seen, I cannot tell you they literally sat back in two banks of five and did not try an attack at all zero they soaked it up and this is the ethos of their coach diego Simeone. he just is fearful he just wants to play he's the equivalent of pep guardiola's possession football and precision in possession but as a shadow he's the ying to City's Yang. These are exact opposite teams. Atletico does not want the ball. Atletico wants to score in as few touches as possible. Atletico defends without the ball and wants to spend its whole time in its own defensive third. well? Who does that sound like? That sounds like Manchester City. Manchester City wants to defend in your goal. They want to keep the ball the whole time. They don't want to run back the other way. They don't want to defend their box. They want to defend forward-facing. And their biggest fear is keep that ball as far away from my goalkeeper as possible, whereas Atletico is bound by a brotherhood of battle of keep that ball right outside the 18-yard box. Even you can be on the fringes of it, and we know how to defend this type of game. To give you a sense of this, City had 71% possession. Atletico took no shots on goal, no shots on target. It's not quite accurate. There was one crossed half shot on one breakaway that Atletico almost did, and they were a little bit better in the second half. Uh, This game went in nil-nil, and City did a triple change, something Pep never does, bringing on Foden, Jesus, and Bernardo, I believe. Was it Bernardo? Uh, And... Let me just make sure I got this right. Oh, Grealish, Foden, Jesus, come on for Mares Sterling, and Gundogan. Completely changed the game. Foden really changes how City plays. Uh, Instead of those five, two banks of five, Foden says, you know what? I know you're standing there. I'm going to go through you. And he creates the goal for... De Bruyne, who finishes really well. He does not always finish that well, takes it really well. And City get a hard fought, and I mean hard fought, 1-0 victory. There was simply no space anywhere. It was as though, you know, it's not parking a bus, it's parking two buses. uh, And that was incredible. But City have to go to uh, the Wanda Metropolitano and try and beat Atletico again, who will probably stay the same way. Villarreal will have to go to Bayern and beat Bayern at Bayern. So Bayern probably have a 70% chance of going through. And we think, you know, Liverpool at home are about as slam dunk as a result as there is in all of football. Liverpool simply do not lose at home. And that's why I'm glad City's not playing them today on Sunday. But the big result here was Chelsea versus Real Madrid. Real Madrid, the heart of a champion the right now have the best player in the world, the most lethal finisher in Karim Benzema. And he scores three goals in the first half and misses an open goal. But his headers, he scores two goals on headers on an amazing pass from Modric. He scores two goals on headers that are simply, nobody can score them. They are leaning backwards, fading, looping them into back corners, just amazing goals. And then one where Mendy sort of misses it and he fires it over him. Just incredible stuff. Karim Benzema has like literally cemented his legendary status. And if you didn't know that Karim Benzema was awesome, you weren't paying attention. Karim Benzema spent a lot of years behind Cristiano Ronaldo and did a lot of the work. But basically since Cristiano, I mean, and he was like 15 and 10. But since Cristiano's left, he's now a 25 and 10 or 25 and 15 He's an elder statesman. He's going to go down as one of the great players of all time. He had a time in the wilderness for the French national team because he was involved in the the Mathieu Balbuena thing with a sex tape and extortion. It was a little shady. I'll admit it. It was fucking weird. But uh, he's part of the three Champions League teams. He spends the entire time that uh, Cristiano is there. He's with Benzema the whole time. They spend... They both get to Real. I think Cristiano gets gets there maybe a year earlier. He makes Gonzalo Higuaín uh expendable uh and he moves on. He steals uh, Higuaín's space and then from there it's it's Benzema and Higuaín and slowly Higuaín gets pushed out and it's Benzema who plays for for um Cristiano and does all the running and is the tactically astute uh, although i didn't realize iguin was there with benzema for so long so it makes it even more amazing but benzema's there the whole run the whole real run the whole time except for one season without cristiano and he's lived sort of in the background of it but now he's just a legend and he's taking this champions league by storm single-handedly beating psg now single-handedly you know beating beating chelsea who are the defending champions Chelsea have lost a little bit of their luster. The, the excuse might be that the sale and the Abramovich stuff is, is, is weighing on them. But I think it's more that they spent $100 million on Lukaku for games like this. And they thought that he was the change they needed. Because they were much more of a defensive team who would find ways to score goals. And they still are basically using the same team they used last year, but they're not as solid, and Conte isn't as magic, and Benzema was just fucking incredible. And listen, say what we will about Real Madrid that they're not great, they're old. It's still Cruz, it's still Casemiro, it's still Modric, and it's still Benzema, and they're still incredible. You have to. It is like a boxing champion. The if they, if Liverpool are the royalty of Europe for for um for England, Real Madrid are the royalty of Europe. Not just for Spain, but for all of Europe, they are European football. They live for the Champions League. They are thirteen-time champions. No one's even close. Now, did they win the first five? So maybe maybe they're not. You know, maybe they're maybe they're more like. Eight-time champions. Eight times is still more than Liverpool. Is still more than Inter. Is still more than AC Milan. They live for European football. It runs through the club. And with 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 Cruz, Casemiro, Modric, Benzema, Carvajal, you have real quality players who are old and they probably can be outrun by more physical teams or more maybe you don't want them playing every minute of 38 games but in a knockout tournament at nut crunch time in the final minutes down a goal 15 minutes to go you don't want anyone in you don't want anyone in those games You don't want anyone on the ball more than Modric. You don't want anyone in the box better than Benzema. And you don't want anyone other than Tony Cruz to make that long pass to to build out from the back. The defense has been solid. And, you know, they have Ancelotti, who coached them to win a couple of Champions Leagues. So they're there. I mean, they are that good. And so the more they build into this tournament, the more... You have to see them as challengers. I thought, oh yeah, let City get Real Madrid in the draw. But now I don't want them. They could easily win. They're not the best team. They're not the most fluid team. But what they are is they are the champs. They are they are core four Yankees. You know, Yeah, sure, they lost. They are Tom Brady in his 40s. They are Tampa Bay Tom Brady, where you're just like, is that still fucking Tom Brady? God damn it. How the fuck do we beat this team? It was very, it's very much a it's very much a uh Atlanta Super Bowl down 28. And and all those Patriots have all the institutional knowledge. They have all the reps, they've got the coach, they've got Brady, they've got Gronk. That's Real Madrid. They're the Patriots. They've got that energy and power behind them where you're like, this team can't be this good. Why are they still winning? Because they can treat The moments of pressure and fear like any other game. And you can't because it's your first time or you're only 21. But with this group, they've seen it all. There's nothing they can't go through to handle. And Benzema is showing what a pure legend he is. And Chelsea have to lick their wins. They did have their best group. It was Pulisic, it was Conte, Jorginho, Silva Mount. I mean, this is a Jorginho, who was a finalist for the Ballon d'Or, which is fucking ridiculous, because now that Italy has left the World Cup and he gets run off the ball, I was surprised to see, you know, Havertz has showed his big game scoring, but Lukaku did come on, he did have a chance, and he did miss it, which goes to the Lukaku narrative. He could have completely changed his season with a header late in the game. So... Chelsea are in trouble. Could they turn it around at Real? No fucking chance. I don't give Chelsea any shot there. They, they are finished. They are washed up. And that is the Champions League group. So we have Liverpool versus Benfica. They're up 3-1. City have a one-goal lead on Atleti. Villarreal have a one-goal lead on Bayern going to the Allianz. And Real Madrid take a two, a 3-1 game into uh, the Bernabeu, where you'd expect next week. So this is these games are coming in the middle of next week uh, back into uh, focus. So we have the Sunday game and then back into it. Now, we have chatted about the Champions League. And we have chatted about Villarreal. And we have chatted about Manchester City. But now, we've got to go back into the Premier League where as you noted from monday we talked a lot about this game Everton versus Burnley in a fucking loser goes home match this was for all the marbles this was a must win for Everton and definitely a must not lose and Everton battle Burnley but fall ultimately at Turf Moor 3-2 we looked at the fixtures for Everton they really don't have another win on the on this on the docket And Burnley, pull it out for my boy, Mr. Cornet. This game was up and down. Everton could have won. They scored both their goals on penalties. One to Gordon, one against Aaron Ramsey. A VAR uh, awarded uh, Richarlison scored them both. He was really good. He had a bunch of chances. Burnley hung on. They did their Burnley thing where you're just like, how the fuck does this goddamn cocksucking team win? They lose the XG battle every game. They have some mojo and some magic that no one can quite explain, but they managed to do it. Um, this game is one. Nathan, Co- it's, it's, they, uh, sorry, um, Burnley go up one nil and a header by Collins, of course, because Everton give up goals. Then the penalty, Richarlison, so it's 1-1. J- then at the half, just before halftime, they get another penalty, so Everton go in 2-1. At the break, but then second half, Jay Rodriguez on an amazing run by I believe. Let me just see who it was. Charlie Taylor takes a run down the wing and fires across through the box. I mean, he fired it, and Jay Rodriguez gets on it. He of Southampton fame when he scored 15 goals once. It was amazing, 2013, I think. And then Maxwell Carné late on a finish that just goes over Pickford um, on an error. That's right, on a massive error by Holgate. And this time it wasn't. Uh, uh, Michael Keane. It was Holgate who blew this game. Uh, sorry, Ben Godfrey who blows it. Holgate didn't track um, didn't track Rodriguez on his run. This Everton just lose because of errors. They played well. They should have won this game. The xG battle says they should. They got 2.4 to to Burnley's 1.5, but that's because Burnley doesn't take shots from outside the box and doesn't really take chances. When they take their shots, they go in. But Burnley find a way. In Dice, we trust. They now have Norwich away, I believe. Let me just check. So that, remember, we keep talking about with the relegation battle, if you can win two games in a row, you're really in good shape. So they go away to Norwich in a massive, massive, massive game for Burnley. If they can win that game, they really put pressure on Everton. And Everton looked a broken club. Uh, The players had their heads down, uh, I think, I think Godfrey died inside uh, after he made the error that led to the goal. They now have United, Leicester, Liverpool, Chelsea, Leicester again. The first chance they have at a win is probably Watford. Because their home game... I I don't give them a shot against Leicester City. That would be an amazing result. Because Leicester are really starting to play well. So by 5-11, on May 11th, that Watford game away, if they're stealing touching distance they have a chance there but that game becomes massive burnley now the games are getting even remember we said everton had two games in hand not so much anymore everton are now even in games played with burnley they're both on uh with everton on 25 burnley on 24 but burnley do play norwich so they could and they play early they could be everton could be in the relegation zone by the time they play next which is bonkers (laughs) i just can't imagine everton getting relegated that is a i don't think there's really a context for how big that is everton has never been relegated in history i mean sorry in the premier league in premier league history they've they've never gone down um and they are a massive massive club this is not a this is not a joke this is a big team as big as as big as you know your your villas your Newcastle's. villa had never been relegated up until they did get relegated in 2014. uh newcastle historically a big club with a large fan base this is that that middle group that you could see push up um They're in that West Ham group. You know, if the royalty and the legacy clubs are United, Liverpool, Arsenal, and Spurs, and Chelsea, Chelsea less so, then the next group of clubs is Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, Aston Villa, and City. I think City, if I'm honest, are in that realm. They're not anymore. They're they're trying to get out of it, but historically... (laughs) And then you kind of have your, your other group after that, your, your Lester's and Southampton's are kind of, that's kind of the sizes of the fan bases, but this Everton thing is massive. And I think, I think Frank Lampard is a terrible coach. I don't think he's the right man for the job. And I think that he's going to take them down and it's going to be sad. And there's going to be people crying and the men in blazers show is going to be destroyed because they're going to have to follow the championship. And let me tell you, man, when you go to the championship, That shit is hard. That shit is hard. It's three more teams. It's games twice a week. It's no Europe. It is a fucking rock fight down there, and it's hard to get out. Ask Leeds. Ask Nottingham Forest. They've been in the wilderness for years. Ask Sunderland. They're gone. You vanish. You're lost. Everton going down is bad. They may just need a couple draws and a, and a win, and they'd be fine. But this Burnley game was really, really a catastrophe. Um, really, really bad. I do want to touch on the Europa League just because West Ham got a heroic draw against Lyon. Our friend uh, Tange and Dombele bossed this game. I'm sure, you know, the fact that there's all these. Ex-Spurs players kicking ass everywhere. Is that an indictment on Spurs? I should ask Mike about that. That we've got La Celso with Villarreal and Foyth and Ndombele playing big European games for European clubs. And and Vertonghen at at Benfica, while Spurs just (laughs) are nowhere. It's very weird. I'm not going to make fun of them. But West Ham do live to fight another day. They get the 1-1 uh, at Leon, at home. It'll be tough to, to get through, but I think West Ham are a good fast break, good on-the-counter attack. They'll go to France and, and try and take a shot against Lyon. Lyon's not historically a great European team. <clears throat> Barcelona played Frankfurt, a fun little game. Uh, they they finished with a red, but you would have expected Frankfurt to do better. They took five shots. That's a counter-attacking German side. So Frankfurt will feel good about that. Barcelona. Uh, and then Leipzig, Atla- At- Atlanta. The Europa League's really good. Really good teams. And then Braga Rangers. Rangers, it looks like they're finally going to fall out. They really, that game looked really awful. Didn't get a shot on target. I don't even know who's on Rangers. I don't even know why I brought it up. Just trying to follow along with our friends that we know about. So Lyon dropped out of the Champions League and Barca and Atalanta and Leipzig. They're both there. You know, doing well, and we'll see how those teams go. Just wanted to give a little short drift and a shout out to West Ham. You know, seeing uh, West Ham playing under the lights, um, under under the under the European nights in the London Stadium, it means a lot. I think it's a really big deal. I think it's really cool. I think it's it's a powerful thing for for West Ham to be there, and it really shows the respect I have for David Moyes. I mean, that team's really good and i like what i'm seeing from them so hopefully they can kick on and these games mean more and people will see that west ham is is not to be trifled with and is a team that you can go to and have a fucking good time so those are our games that's what's happening that's europe we talked city we talked the big liverpool game we talked about everton's potential collapse we do have other news <speaks in the game> Eric Ten Hag of Ajax is set to take charge of Manchester United next season. So it was between he and Pochettino, and it looks like Ten Hag, who is known for playing it for playing really good attacking football, he was the coach that took uh, took Ajax to the semi final of the Champions League against Spurs, the miracle. The miracle game, the 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 three two, where um where Spurs came back and Mora had sit in and wins, and it's one of the great moments I spent at a bar with Spurs. But he's had to rebuild the team. They lost Frankie De Jong, they, uh, they lost uh, Zayek, they lost Hakim Ziyech. They lost the Lict, and now the team's back. They should not have lost. They're bossing their league. They score goals for fun. It's still Dusan Tadic, and now uh, Sebastian hellire So that's a little bit weird. They still have good players. I mean, Ajax have a history of developing young players and moving them along. They are the model club for how to be sustainable and successful when you're in, you know, the Dutch league, which is, you know, if, if I could tell you exactly what the league rankings is, but we have the big five. Uh, let's see, uh, we uh, the, let's see, let's see where, uh, where Spain is. Ah, Country coefficients. Here we go. Uh, It's England, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, Portugal, then the Netherlands. So the Netherlands are the seventh ranked league in the world. Uh, We know about the big five of England, Spain, Italy, Germany, France, and then Portugal on the outside. And they do provide a lot of players to the other leagues. Uh, it's, It's surprising that Scotland is... Is ninth. It 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 drops really fast <laughs> after the big five. It's Portugal, Netherlands, uh, rounding out the top ten. It's uh, Portugal, Netherlands, Austria, Scotland, and Russia. If you want to know how these are ranked, they are based on how the teams from that country do. Uh, how the teams from that country do in European uh, competitions. So just if you're curious about that, it determines the rankings here determine how many teams you get a champions league, how many teams get to play in Europe, uh, what your, what, what those settings are. It's a very, it's all very European, uh, um, European bureaucratic stuff. It's fascinating stuff. So what you perceive as to be true is true. England is the number one team in the league with Spain followed by Italy and Germany, Germany, suffers because it's really only Bayern that they're getting contributions from and the other 3 teams that go to the Champions League usually don't play well and then France it's just PSG and the and PSG tend to lose whereas you know you see something like Spain Spain just punches above their weight all the time between having Barca and Real Get to the late rounds. They have Villarreal winning the Europa League five times. Unai Emery pulling things out of his ass, and Atletico also pulling things out of his ass. So Spain's strong, strong league, but a little bit, probably a little bit more top-heavy than uh, the other leagues. Anyway, worth looking at. So you can check out that uh, at uh, uefa.com national associations country coefficients. <laughs> So Ten Hag, uh, Ten Hag's taking over for Manchester United. He's an attacking coach. He's a modern coach. Um, I think he's going to find, unless he's special, unless he has some special sort of way through, I don't see how he's a stronger personality than Jose Mourinho or Van Gaal. I think that we have a that United have a team that's kind of uncoachable and a culture that's rotten. And so I don't know that having this technocrat very detailed coach is going to help them. I mean, there may be a moment the team is very very talented. There's no doubt about United's talent, but Ten Hag is used to working with young kids who all know how to play already because they all come from Ajax already. And does that happen at United? Does he Get to go to Carrington and redo the whole thing. Does he make United a new Ajax, which is what Alex Ferguson did? He knew what how to build a club because he'd done it at Aberdeen with young players. Are they going to get Van de Saar in in place and and get and make things work that way? Is that is that the plan? I just don't see it. I just don't see it. Um. I think it's just another coach. I just don't see how this guy is as special as um, as anything else. I think Pochettino was a better choice, not for tactics, but because of the personality. I think Pochettino had a control and a leadership quality um, that was more Kloppian than Ten Hag, who's more in the... Tuko, there's the Tuco, Guardiola, Rafa Benitez types who are not warm and fuzzy, fuzzy, very detailed, very technocratic, and then you have the Klopp, Enchiladi, um, uh group, or, or or you know rah rah kind of this group over here, who are, or may, that kind of have a different feel uh, of of coach. Uh, where they, they're more players, coaches, they're more playing uh, uh, Simeone, Klopp, Simeone uh, side of things. And I wonder, and, and I think United need more of the personality and mentality building versus the technocrat. Um, they don't seem to respond to that because that's what Rangnick is. And they're kind of just like, eh. And they did respond to Ali at first, but Ali couldn't coach at all. So they need some kind of like good feeling side, but also some tactical nous who can figure out how to make this thing work and not feel married to his ideas, but more see what United has and play to their strengths. United seemed to be in their best space when they just handed the keys to Fernandez and let all the young forwards run off him. But it seemed that the Cristiano move really slowed them down and messed them up. Anyway, let us go through the rest of the schedule because the Premier League is still going. Uh, City, like we talked about a few weeks ago, are still in their gauntlet. They played Atletico, they played Liverpool this season in the league, and then Atletico again, and then Liverpool again uh, in the FA Cup. But your weekend looks like this. Friday, Newcastle play Wolves, neither playing for much. Everton, big game, the early game on Saturday. Everton will know how much damage they're in. They're at home against Manchester United. That weirdly could be a game they get something from if they can pick themselves off the mat. Arsenal play Brighton. This game would have been good two months ago, but Brighton haven't won a game since the War of 1812. Uh, Southampton play Chelsea. Chelsea licking their wounds. We'll see if they can bounce back away to Southampton. Could be a tough game. Watford versus Leeds. Watford are in a good place. They're playing well under under Uncle Woi, but Leeds and Jesse March have gotten points in three of their last four. I could see Watford getting Leeds because Leeds feel safe and then really putting pressure on Everton. And then Aston Villa, Tottenham, this is a trap game. Watch fucking Villa. Watch Aston Villa beat Spurs after all the good work Conte's done to get themselves back in the top four. (laughs) He's going to (laughs) lose on the late game Saturday. I just book it. Like Mike knows. He's a Tottenham fan. There's no way Spurs are winning that game. That'll be a bellwether game. If Spurs can win that Aston Villa game at Bella Park, they will be in really fucking good shape. Then on Sunday, we have a, a London Derby. I would expect West Ham to be burnt out. They're playing Brentford, coming off an amazing win, and the great Christian Eriksen scoring goals after they beat Chelsea. I could see them beating West Ham. That Thursday, Sunday is a killer, and Brentford are flying high. Then Leicester, Crystal Palace. That should be a good one. Uh, I could see Crystal Palace winning this, but Leicester have been playing well. And then the one we talked about, Burnley trying for two wins in a row. If they get the second win, they really put pressure on Everton. Norwich are terrible. They're well coached, but they're just so fucking bad. They can't stop anyone and they can't score. Burnley are simply better, but away from home could be tough. And then the giant one, as I've talked about 14,000 times since three months ago, been looking at this game circling it manchester city versus liverpool thank god it's at home i'm scared i feel sick i don't know what to do i want to throw up it's the um Klopp versus Klopp versus guardiola is still 8-8 but it seems the home team usually has the advantage we shall see where they are i'm so afraid of liverpool they're so fucking good Please give me a draw and let me get the fuck out of there. Please let me, the ghosts of Sergio Aguero, come rescue Manchester City. Let it be the day that they have their shooting boots on. Let it be the day that I don't have to worry. Let it be the day that Manchester City just beat Liverpool 4-5-0. or 5-0. I don't want to suffer, please. All right. All right. <laughs> That was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with not Mike Salerno and Laurent Cortines. We are the football wing of the Chop Sports Network. We record on Tuesdays and Fridays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And if you're listening on Apple, please rate and review the show because it really helps. We don't get enough reviews. We work hard. Give us a review. All right.